Hello and welcome to Smart Poker Study. My name is Sky Matsuhashi and I'm happy that you chose to spend some of your study time with me today. So I'm looking forward to today's episode because I'm always a big fan of answering your questions because when I answer the question sent in to me, I know that it's directly impacting you, your play, your studies, and overall your poker journey. So I've got three great questions today. All of them are related around hand reading and poker math. And speaking of hand reading, today's episode is brought to you by my brand new hand reading workbook. You can get it by going to smartpokerstudy.com slash hand reading workbook. Check it out there, 95-page PDF, tons of exercises, tons of videos to help you learn as well, along with that actual workbook. And with the workbook, there's an uh, there's an answer key to help you uh, uh, figure out what the right answers are for these various exercises in the workbook. So once again, smartpokerstudy.com slash handreadingworkbook. Okay, let's get to the questions. Gambate! So question one today comes to us from Vincent, and it's about poker math. Here's what he said. Hi, Sky. I would like to improve my knowledge of poker math. For example, what are the various equations I should be using, and when should they be used during play? Alrighty, thank you very much for that uh, question and the email, Vincent. And I'm really glad that you asked about poker math, because... Poker is really just one big math problem, and I don't want you and everybody else to be freaked out over the fact that math is such an integral part. A lot of people go through school, you know, elementary, high school, and even college, they say, I hate math, I'm terrible at math. Well, really, poker math is seriously just addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. It's super simple stuff, but it does take some practice, especially for those of you who just hate math and went your whole life without wanting to learn math, right? So to help answer this question for Vincent, I'm going to give uh, some very simple math examples, and I'm going to give you a three-step math improvement process. So here's step one. Take notes on the math involved. So when you're studying any type of math, take notes on all the equations and the situations for each equation. Let's say you're studying profitable calling. Uh, the formula that you're going to learn is the break-even formula. Now, this is simply the amount of your call divided by the total pot after your call goes in. And you're going to end up writing this formula down in your notes in your poker journal with an example. And always write it down with at least one example, preferably two or three examples of like where the math is slightly different or where the situation might be slightly different. So, for example, you're going to write that break-even formula down for calling. And then here's an example for you. Uh, your opponent, they bet $2 into a $2 pot. Your $2 call is now going to make the total pot $6, right? $2 pot, $2 bet, $2 call, 222 equals 6. So you need to have a superior hand or hit a better hand at least 33% of the time to make a break-even call. And that is simply the $2 call divided by the $6 total pot. And whatever kind of math you're working on, write the formula, write the situations that you can use it in, and a few examples. And that takes us to step two. Now this is practice the math off the felt. You want to look at your database and review some hands where you made a river call, for example. For each call, calculate the break-even percentage. Next, you want to estimate the frequency that you're actually winning the pot. If you estimate that you're winning the pot greater than you need to to break even, then you made a good call. 
So in that last example, $2 pot, or I'm sorry, $2 call into a $6 pot, you need to be good at least 33% of the time. If you think your top pair is good, at least that offer an even second pair, or you think your opponent is bluffing 50% of the time, then yeah, totally, it was a good call. But if you estimate that your opponent is only making this bet with a better hand than yours, then it was a bad call, of course. And this takes us to step number three. You want to practice the math on the felt next. So over your next few play sessions, you want to focus on the break-even percentage for calls. Now, they don't have to be your calls. You don't just have to wait till you're in a situation facing a call. Just watch the action, and every time somebody faces a bet, you want to run the math in your head for their calling break-even percentage. So for example, one player bets $3 into a $6.50 pot. Now the break-even percentage is 3 divided by 12.5. Now, figuring out this percentage exactly can be pretty tough, but what you can do instead is just estimate it. So the $12.50 pot, that's very close to a $12 pot. So your $3 call divided by a $12 pot equals 25%. So the break-even is somewhere around 25%. All right, so those are the three steps for you, Vincent, and for everybody else to improve your poker math skills. Now, when it comes to studying and learning various concepts, you could just do Google searches, or you can, of course, go to the show notes page because I have a ton of podcasts and other show notes where you can read and follow along and listen and figure out, or not figure out, but learn all this math, the different formulas and examples right there for you. First, you want to check out my MED series of math. Um or series on math. They're episodes 138, 140, and 143. And once again, just go to the show notes page. You can click the links right there. Um, I have also done a ton of other podcasts on various poker math concepts. So if you want to study outs and odds math, you can go to podcast episode 45 or episode 130. If you want to learn percentage form, like what range is a 20% range or what is a 30% range, just listen to podcast episode 66. If you want more information on HUD statistics, listen to podcast 54. If you want to learn about the 2x rule for drawing to your outs, just listen to podcast episode 111, 111. And if you want to learn just basic pot odds, listen to episode 106. Alrighty, thanks again for that question, Vincent. On to question number two. This one comes to us from David Belundred. And now this is about both poker math and hand reading. Here's what he said. I think one poker skill I need to work on would be learning the math side of things. Also, I need to improve my hand reading skills. Alrighty, thank you very much, David. Now, this is a great opportunity to address both poker math and hand reading simultaneously. Because, of course, superior math skills, along with hand reading skills, that's going to make you a positive EV poker machine for sure. Uh, in order to develop your hand reading skills, first off, you have to learn how to do it, and you have to practice it daily. So please, for you, David, and for everybody else who doesn't really understand or has never practiced hand reading, check out my 66 days of hand reading videos on YouTube. All you have to do is go to smartpokerstudy.com slash 66 days of hand reading. Now, in these videos, I show you how to hand read the villain's range, also the hero's range, and I do other videos where I show both ranges simultaneously. Next, what you need to do is commit to doing your own hand reading challenge for at least a month, preferably two or three months. And this is just simply one hand every single day, assigning a range and taking it and narrowing it through the streets. Doing this kind of work for an extended amount of time, it's going to ingrain these skills into your unconscious competence and it'll improve your intuition for it uh, to help you hand read when you're on the felt. 
And in that prior question about uh, poker math from Vincent, I gave a three-step process for practicing your math. But now let me give you a fourth step for practicing math and hand reading at the same time. So you're going to do those steps one, two, and three. And then you're going to move on to step four, which is choose a hand to review that demonstrates the math that you're working on. So for example, if you're working on making profitable calls with outs and odds math, Choose a hand to review where you have some sort of draw on the flop and you face a bet, whether it's a C-bet or a donk bet, whatever. You start the hand reading like usual where you put your opponent on a range of hands and you enter in your hand within Flopzilla. Next, you want to enter the board and before you narrow your opponent's range, run the calling math and calculate the odds you'll hit your hand. If the math is in your favor, then you made a good call. Now, narrow your opponent's range on the flop and then enter the turn card. If your opponent bets again and you did not hit your draw on the turn, run the math again. Calculate the break-even percentage and figure out the odds that you're going to hit your draw on the river. You want to repeat this process through the streets in an effort to drill the math and the hand-ranging practice into your noggin. And at the same time, you can think about your options other than calling and run the math for that as well. So what if you raised instead of calling right now? How often does your raise need to work to break even? Is your opponent folding often enough? What size would you need to make to get the opponent to fold? One hand history can give you a ton of different math to work on, and because you're considering your opponent's range, it should be pretty easy to figure out how often he's folding, or re-raising, or calling if you choose to get aggressive. Today's episode is brought to you by my brand new hand reading workbook, and I have some awesome poker peeps to thank who purchased it over the past week. They simply went to smartpokerstudy.com slash hand reading workbook to pick it up. So I want to thank Greg Thompson, Craig Hanlon, Richard Manias, Trey Boone, Mario Resendez, Dale Silver, Matt Thorson, Charles Lobach, Nicholas Kazakos, Carlos Contreras, Michael Scott, Paul Roberts, Wayne Altomare, Antonio Ionescu, Werner Tashner, John Adamek, Rob Craven, Todd Caton, Mark Wyckoff, Robbie Moore, and Tom Prost. Thank you all so very much. If you're looking to build your hand reading skills and your math skills at the same time, this is the workbook for you. Once again, go to smartpokerstudy.com slash handreadingworkbook. Question three today is another one about hand reading. Now, this one is about hand reading those live unknown players. One area I am finding difficulty is when it comes to establishing hand ranges for opponents at live games. Due to minimal card scene, time at the table, and people coming and going, establishing their hand ranges has been a real struggle. Assigning them a hand strength based on bet sizing is much easier because people tend to be much more consistent with their betting at $3-$5 tables. Any tips though for increasing live game hand reading techniques would be appreciated. That's a great question, and thank you very much for that and for your support, Jordan. I appreciate it. So the thing about hand reading is you're going to do it a ton off of the felt so that it develops an intuition so that you can use it on the felt. You kind of have a good feeling for what your opponent's ranges are, how well they connect with the board, and you only develop this, like I said in that prior question, by doing a, a ton of hand reading off the felt first off. So the other thing you want to do, Jordan, is continue doing the bet ranging or the bet size ranging as usual. You know, basically assign them a range based on their bet sizing because many live players, they basically turn their hand face up with their bet sizing. Small bets equal weakness, big bets equal strength. Not always, but for in general, like you said, for sure. But here's one more thing that you can do to incorporate your hand reading along with bet ranging against those unknown players. 
you want to spend some time thinking about five actual players that you play with. People who you know the names of. One should be a nit, so Bob the nit. Another is a tag, Susie the tag. The other ones are lags, maniacs, and whales, right? Um, let's say if Bob, let's not make him a nit. Let's say he's a whale. Uh, Bob is the whale, so which means he plays too passively. He plays too many hands pre-flop, and he's a calling station post-flop. What I want you to do is create ranges for his open raising, his two-bet calling, his three-betting, and his three-bet calling ranges. Just think, Bob the Whale plays these hands these ways. Now, you want to do this for all four of the other players as well, the tags, the lags, the maniacs, and the nits. Now, treat these ranges as default for any other player who fits one of the types. If you've been at a table with Jerry, for example, maybe you've sat there for only three rounds with him. It's his first time at the table. Uh, he seems to be maybe loose and stationy, just like Bob is. So maybe you've seen him doing a lot of limps, a lot of limping and then calling. Maybe you saw a third parrot showdown. He called two streets, a flop and the turn, and he had third parrot showdown, that kind of thing. If he's a player just like Bob, then consider those Bob ranges. Those are now Jerry's ranges as well, right? Same thing for any other players who are playing like one of the people that you have in mind that you created ranges for. Now, once you have a range in mind, you want to actively think about their range as you play. This is easiest done in hands that you're not involved in, but you should practice it both ways. So if you're just sitting at the table, all of a sudden you see this new player, Jerry, call a two bet, think about his range, when the flop hits, think about how his range interacts with the board, and then just, you know, basically range him through the streets when you're not even in the hand. And then, of course, when you face Jerry in a few hands from now, you can do this exact same thing. You raised, he called, you've already been thinking about his calling range, now it's a new flop, how does his range hit this new flop? And one last thing, if the player that you're up against is a complete unknown, like it's his very first hand at the table, and he called your open raise, uh, you opened in the cutoff, and he called you from the big blind, for example. You've created five different opening ranges already. Which of those opening ranges is the average range that the average player at your stakes plays with? So if Bob's calling range is what the average person plays with, great. This new player in the big blind, very first hand against him, very first hand you've ever seen him play, put him on that range, on that calling range. And once again, Jordan, this is of course going to take a ton of practice. So do it off the felt and do it on the felt when you're in hands and when you're not in hands. Good luck, Jordan. Challenge. Here's my challenge to you for this episode. Practice your poker math. I know that there's some kind of math that's causing an issue for you. Maybe it's calling withdraws, maybe it's improving your river calls, understanding percentage form, or maybe even HUD stat percentages, or something else entirely. Figure out the math you want to work on, then follow the four steps that I outlined today. Now it's your turn to take action and do something positive for your poker game. Oh, that's it now. Get out there and be somebody. Alrighty, poker peeps. Thank you so much for listening, but your studies are not complete until you go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod386. Go there for a basic transcript of today's episode, along with everything else that I discuss, including the important links, like the link to the hand reading workbook, smartpokerstudy.com slash hand reading workbook. This is the workbook that you need to turn you into a master hand reader. 
Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be.